Hey guys, it's Simmy, and this is Wrestling Unlimited, as it's Monday, and that means tonight was Monday Night Raw. Of course, tonight's Monday Night Raw does go. I thought it was a good show, but not one of the better Raws that we've seen recently. I feel like we had seen some better episodes of Monday Night Raw over the last couple of weeks. This was a good episode of Raw, but not one of the better episodes of Monday Night Raw. We got some stuff set up with the blood, not the bloodline, Judgment Day, and a new match set for Crown Jewel. Damian Priest will be taking on Cody Rhodes. They tried to break Cody's leg, and then Cody tried to break Damian's at the end of the show, but Finn pulled him to safety. So we got a lot of stuff on this show, a lot of good things and whatnot that we're going to get into. Ivar. Apparently, they love Ivar backstage. I'm going to say that right now. There's been a lot of reports that Ivar's doing great work. They love Ivar's work, and apparently Eric ain't coming back anytime soon. His injury's that bad, so they're going to keep using Ivar, and I like it. I like Ivar being used on his own as a heel, doing good things. Johnny Gargano was on the show tonight. We had Logan Paul, which threw me off a little bit because I'm like, Logan Paul's setting up for a SmackDown um, program, but he's on Raw, but we'll get into all that and everything, but Luke... What did you think of tonight's Monday Night Raw? I will say Raw was a good show, but not a, like not a great show. Right. Like they got they got a show now. They but no, they got <laughs> a match announced for Crown Jewel, and they they kind of teased maybe something happening for Survivor Series, which we'll talk right. about later. Which I do I do actually really like. So yeah, when they set up and it's the opening of the shows, we'll talk about it here in a moment. When they set up Cody versus uh, Damian, I was a little shocked. I thought maybe they were just going to go back and do Cody and da uh, Cody and Jay versus Judgment Day for the tag titles again in like a rematch. So I'm happy that it's a singles match and they're not just doing the same tag match over again because we've seen a lot of those same tag matches with Judgment Day over and over and over. So I appreciate that they're doing something different. But with that, I want to say... Thank you guys for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can subscribe with a tiered subscription or you subscribe with Amazon Prime, because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month, and I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember, head over to YouTube, hit that join button, and become a channel member. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. There's so many new things to buy right now, video game-wise. They got their Halloween sale going on. Alan Wake 2 is coming out. Sonic Superstars is out. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. Ghost Runner 2. Go buy a game on the Epic Game Store and use this code right here. Use code PWUnlimited at checkout for all Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases. Heck, Spider-Man 2 just came out on the PS5. We played it over the last three to four days on stream. Twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy beat the game last night. But if you haven't even played Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 1, the remastered version, is available on the Epic Game Store. Go play it. It's a freaking amazing game. 
and then you can get into Spider-Man 2 on the PS5. Heck, go claim the free games. Uh, Eternal Threads and The Evil Within are free right now. Also, get some bucks for Fortnite and Rocket League if you're a big fan of The Nightmare Before Christmas because Jack Skellington is available in both. Jack Skellington is in both Fortnite and Rocket League. So go get him in both of those games. And when you do, put in the code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D at checkout. You'll be supporting us here at no extra cost to you. But with that, Monday Night Raw tonight kicked off with our new WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champions, the Judgment Days, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. They entered, uh, they entered the building after a recap of what happened at the end of last week's Raw. Balor was pumped up to be tag team champions again, and Priest said that the rest of the Judgment Day are taking care of business in the back, so don't ask any questions about why they're not out here in the ring. Priest was about to say that Judgment Day was back to running WWE, but he was interrupted by Cody Rhodes. Rhodes got a huge reaction from the crowd. Rhodes had some choice words and said, I want to speak to the leader of Judgment Day. Oh, wait. Rhea ain't out here. Because when he said, I want to speak to the leader, Finn and Damian look at each other and laugh and go, there's no leader. And then he says Rhea. He said he knew that they... Go for it. Did it feel weird that Rhea wasn't out there since, like, Rhea does, like, most of the talking for them? No, because we've seen recently when, like, Damien, we've seen her out there less recently where they don't all four come out together all the time anymore, which is kind of weird. It's weird that all four of them weren't out there. Not just that just Rhea was missing. It's just weird that all four didn't come out there and it was only Finn and Damien. Because it's either, for some reason, it seems like it's usually all of them, two of them. Sometimes there's three, I don't know. It just, it did feel weird that it wasn't just all four of them hyping each other up. I don't know. They're, they're doing some weird things now with Judgment Day to where it seems like they're just trying to, it's inevitable that this group is going to break up and they're trying to stretch it out now. It kind of feels like, am I wrong there? They're trying to stretch it to not break them up yet. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. But like, I don't want it to happen quite yet. I'd say if they're going to do it, they'll probably maybe do it a little bit either at Royal Rumble or like a week or two after Royal Rumble. And like they set up um, later on in the show, JD is going to have to fight Seth now to try and get into the bloodline or the uh, Judgment Day. So that's weird. Yeah, they're making JD do all the dirty work right. here. Uh, where was I? Cody said that he knew that they thought there was no leader in Judgment Day, but, well, Dom Dom's not the leader. And Mommy, well, she's always the one, quote, pulling the strings, calling the shot, and cutting the deals, including one with the bloodline. Rhodes turned his attention to Priest. He gave him a low blow last week, he said. Rhodes warned him. That would not be the final uh, shot in this fight. Priest reminded Rhodes that he also put him through a table. Priest said that people talk of Rhodes' story, but they didn't know what it was. All he could see was that Rhodes' story was one of failure. Rhodes threatened to fight him right here, right now. And he was like, ah, I can't fight you right now. I got to fight Jay later. 
Priestess of it all fight you at Crown Jewel. We got a big pay-per-view coming up, so why not do it there? And Cody accepted. So it is official. Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest in a singles match at Crown Jewel. Rhodes says he still wants to fight. And Priest was fine with that because Ripley and Dominic made their way down to the ring. Jay ran out to assist as Rhodes went after Priest. Jay took out Dom, but Balor took out Jay. Yeah, kind of weird that they came out later, but whatever. Rhodes set up the announce table, uh, set set up the announce table, but JD McDonough chop blocked him from behind. They pulmonized his leg before officials ran down. And there we go. Crowds booing as Priest proudly walked away. And JD followed him. So, yeah. I don't know. It kind of felt weird that they came out later and then the JD thing and the tack and the, the leg and... It played into the end of the show when they're beating down Jay, and it took Cody too long to get out there to make the save. What did you think of this I opening say, segment? I will say I'm I'm glad it's Cody versus Damian, not like Cody versus Dominic again. They got yeah, oh yeah. Cody doing something different for Crown Jewel. Right. What did you think of the I opening segment? Opening segment was it wasn't bad. It was basically just trying to play in what was going to happen at the end. So, to me, it just felt like more of the same. Judgment Day's out there. They get into a brawl. They stand tall. It leads to something later. You know, it just... It, it, the, I like Judgment Day, but the way they're using Judgment Day is starting to get a little too repetitive, in my opinion. I feel like right now they're just struggling for something new because they're really trying to like right. get to war games. Yeah. If that's the route they go. Well, here's the other thing. There was a report, was it Friday or over the weekend or something, war games may end up being Raw versus SmackDown. So if that's the case, what the heck? If it is actually Raw versus SmackDown, who's going to be the teams? Could you use Judgment Day as just the representatives of Raw? And then add maybe... So, what did they do last year? Was it four or it five? Was versus, no, no, no. How it, many people? It was, it was five. Five on they five? Had Bloodline, they had Roman, yes. Duso, Solo, and Sammy versus so, uh, the Brawling Brutes, McIntyre, and... Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Yeah. So, you can do, like... Judgment Day and two other people on Judgment the... Day and McIntyre. There you go. But it's just, I don't know. I thought I knew where they were going with War Games. Then they moved Kevin Owens to SmackDown. That threw me all off. Like, that threw me all off. But we'll see where it goes. I feel like it would be pretty easy for, like, to get, like, a men's team for Raw, but... I feel like it's going to be difficult to get one for a SmackDown, I believe. So, if we look at SmackDown... Mm, yeah, I don't know. Um, Looking, looking, looking... Michael Cole said that Wade Barrett had some... Big moments at the American Airlines Center over his career. Barrett mentioned he won his season of NXT 
and beat John Cena at Hell in a Cell 2010. For reminding him that the New Day also retired him in this building. I forgot all about that. They really messed up with the Nexus, I will say. What do you mean? Or not entirely. I remember, like, when they did that, like, Team WWE versus the Nexus match at SummerSlam. People right. were basically complaining, why did the Nexus lose? Like, why? They should have had them win and stuff. I mean, I, I, can see, I can see the argument, but they shouldn't have won. Oh, there was also a rumor saying that Cena didn't want to lose that match. Oh, that I don't know. That was just a rumor. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I don't, I've never really heard much of Cena didn't want to lose. Cena wouldn't do the job. Like Usually, if it was best for business, Cena would do it. So, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Okay, so, so here's my question to you. What is an old storyline that you look back on now and is like, they should have booked it the opposite way? Or they should have done it a, a little bit different? I'm going to need some time to think about that, actually. <laughs> so if I... Do you know one? Um, um, I just had one, and now I can't... Th- it just escaped my mind. Probably... Oh, I, oh, I know I mean, one. What? I know one, actually. They should have had Shinsuke beat AJ at Mania. That's what they should have done. Oh, for sure. Okay. If we're going that route, we can do that the same night. We should have had Asuka beat Charlotte. It was the yeah, same. I mean, that one's a little difficult because <laughs> that was the time where Carmella still had the money in the bank and she had to cash in on somebody. Okay. Have her cash in on Asuka. Asuka could have won at WrestleMania. And then you can say that she only, her undefeated streak only ended because of money in the bank and not that she got actually beat. And then it's a caveat for Asuka to keep looking strong then instead of just, oh, Charlotte beat Because how stupid was it that Asuka had to grab the mic afterwards and go, Charlotte was ready for Asuka. It made Asuka look so weak when she did that. Like, I would have booked that differently. Yeah, I probably would have done that differently as well. Yeah, so that one. And then um, in hindsight, it gave us some good comedy on TV, but I wouldn't have made Austin the heel with Vince after WrestleMania 17. And then Austin says it too. that He wishes they never did that and hadn't turned heel and aligned him with Vince. Because, like, we got some funny stuff with, like, Stone Cold and Kurt Angle. But other than that, it was kind of just meh. Like Stone Cold being part of the Alliance and running that group, kind of. That was weird. What about what about AJ should have beaten Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 32, I believe. Oh, his first Mania? Yeah. I mean, honestly, for where they went with AJ, I don't think it mattered. I mean, AJ ended up going and a year later, he was WWE champion. Less than a year later. He beat um, Jinder later that year for the belt. So I don't think that one was one where it was like, if they would have done it differently, things would have been different and better and whatever. So 
I think it's just, it would have first first mania would have made him uh, a bigger name right off the jump with WWE though it would have helped. But like for him being like the new guy right. in WWE, he probably yeah. should have like he definitely should have won. Mm-hmm. Because like they kind of did it like like weirdly after after mania like exactly like Jericho won, but like AJ got like the better better like aftermath. Mm-hmm. Man, that would be a, a fun podcast topic to do. If WWE had booked matches differently, how would other things have been possibly different? That's an interesting topic. Like, what what matches or storylines would you have liked to have seen booked the opposite direction? And what kind of effect could have that caused post that match or storyline? I saw I saw someone make a YouTube video like what if CM Punk never left WWE and and they're basically like predicted like that's a hard one like the rest of his like career there that's a hard one because that would have really changed a lot of things because Brian Danielson would have never main evented WrestleMania would have never won the title of WrestleMania 30 because it was supposed to be CM Punk versus Triple H at WrestleMania 30. So they would have okay, never gotten he, Brian. Oh, yeah, and CM Punk was kind of complaining, like, I already faced you before. Why do I have to face you again? Yeah, he was the one that said, no, you should be putting over Brian. You should have Brian be the big star for this year's Mania. And I don't even think, because cause if you think about it, Brian, no, Punk would have faced Triple H, and then it would have just been Batista and Randy in the main event. Because I don't think they would have gone the route of, if Punk beats Triple H, he gets the triple threat. Da, 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 da. No, I don't think that was the plan ever until they started the Brian stuff and then did Brian's going to get incorporated into the main event in this. I think it was just straight up Triple H versus Punk. So that's one that would have changed a lot of things, like a lot of things. But then we what had- if like, Mustafa Before. Ali never got hurt because like, Kofi Mania would have never happened. Yeah. Yep. What if? WWE what if? Instead of Marvel's what if? That's an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, we should do, we right? need to do a podcast like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. So, speaking of Kofi Mania, New Day took on um, Chad Gable and Otis. So, does that was just a, a member of the Alpha Academy now, like full on? You think? Yeah. I feel like he might, maybe like an honorary member. Because he was out there with Maxine to root him on. Uh, um, or maybe get, he's like their, maybe he's like their student. Well, that's what I'm thinking. He's He has to like officially earn a spot in the Alpha Academy. Right. He's basically just like a student there. Ooh, Tyreek has a good one. He says, um, having Mark Henry actually beat John Cena for the title. Like, if I think about that one, it's like, well, then where would they have gone? Because that one, I don't know. I don't know if I would have wanted Mark Henry to actually win. That's a tough one. What or if... Uh, what if uh, go for it, go for it. What if Ryback actually beat CM Punk for oh, the WWE Championship? Oh, Lord. This man. Because I know he, he claimed that, like, 
him not winning the belt really buried him, which I feel like if even if he did win the belt, he would only have like a week or two of a reign, which still would have made sense. Yeah. Um, oh, I just had one and now I lost it. Damn it. Maybe it'll come back to me. Maybe it'll come back to me. But um, Cole did state that Tazawa was the latest recruit of the Alpha Academy, but again, didn't state exactly what his role in the group is and if he's with them full-time and if we'll see him next week. I don't know. Gable and Otis gave Woods a Steiner, Steiner, Steinerizer. I don't know why I couldn't get that word out. But Kofi broke up the pin. Kingston then kicked Gable out of the ring and Otis hit Kingston with the Caterpillar. Woods then fought back and tried to reverse Caterpillar Worm, but Gable tagged himself in, grabbed him, and applied an ankle lock. Woods slipped out, and Otis tagged himself in. Nudie then worked together on Otis. Kingston hit a trouble in paradise before wiping out Gable with a flip dive. Woods then hit Otis with the flying elbow and pinned him to pick up the victory. So there we go. New Day beat the Alpha Academy. Where this leads to, hopefully it's New Day versus Judgment Day for the tag titles. Because I think those two against Finn and Damian down the line should be a really fun match. What do you think of this tag match? I mean, the match was good, but I feel like in my opinion, I feel like maybe Alpha Academy should have won. Because to me, I feel like the New Days, the New Day, they're like guys where like, if you beat them, it's not really going to affect them that much because they're already like well-established in right. WWE. And I feel like it would have benefited Alpha Academy more True. the way they're trying to like push Chad Gable. No, I get that for sure. Um... But I do agree with you. Like New Day versus uh, Judgment Day should be a really fun match. Right, but it's not going to happen until after Crown Jewel because Damien's now tied up with the um, Cody match, which there's really only one more Raw anyway. So if it, if it doesn't happen next week, it can literally happen in two weeks or whatever. Because next week is the go-home show for Crown Jewel. What if next week they did, let's say, New Day versus like DIY winner? Faces uh, Judgment Day for the titles after Crown Jewel. Well, then DIY is going to have to win because I don't want DIY losing. <laughs> much as I want to see, I mean, much as I want to see New Day get the shot. Ah, uh, yeah, no, DIY ain't losing already. I mean, I mean, maybe it will suck that they would lose, but it could also just be a way that could like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, try to, like. Build them up or like hype them up more for like yeah. mania, I would say. Maybe. Uh Dave Avar Avarino in the YouTube chat says, What happened to Randy Orton? Or where's Randy Orton? What happened to that guy? Well, obviously, you've been living under a rock for the last year and a half, my guy. Randy Orton's been out with the back issue. They had back surgery on. So that's where Randy Orton's been. Randy Orton is slated to return in the next month. According to multiple reports, we'll see if it happens. He was at the PC recently doing something. He had his gym bag with him, so we sit and wait. And I can't wait because Randy Orton's one of my all-time favorites. But yeah, he's been out with a lower back issue that required surgery. And at one point, doctors told him not to wrestle anymore. So he said, I want to come back. Jackie Redman then interviewed Becky Lynch in the back. Redman asked why she would defend her title Back-to-back nights. Lynch acknowledged that Hartwell never got a chance to regain her title, and that's what this title was all about. Uh -uh, You're wrong, Becky. Yes, she never got her rematch, 
but that's because she got a shot to get a shot and lost the shot. She was in a triple threat, number one contenders match, and lost. So screw you, crybaby Indy Hartwell. You didn't deserve this match at all. Uh, Becky would go on to say, a chance for people to show what they're made of. Lynch knew that Lyra Valkyrie, or Val, I always butcher her last name. Lyra Valkyria. For some reason, I just want to say Lyra Valkyra. I just want to rhyme it. Lyra Valkyra. Why didn't they go with that route? Lyra Valkyra. It's Lyra Valkyria. I just say Lyra Valkyrie. That's what I say. <laughs> it. That's. I mean, that's the same way they spell like Valkyrie and like Taya Valkyrie. So. Well, there's an A at the end of Lyra's name. The end of Valkyria. But I get what you're saying. Uh, she says that she knows Lyra is here tonight. She's not looking past Hartwell, though. Lynch told Hartwell, Welcome to the big time. Eh. This is whatever. We didn't see Zia Lee being the creeper in the back watching Becky. Like, what the hell is going on with this broad? She, she attacks Candace later. The video package hyping up Ivar with Valhalla, no Eric. Like I said, they really want to push Ivar hard right now, especially with Eric out. I can see Ivar getting some... Really good high-profile matches. I want Ivar versus Gunther. Just give me Ivar versus Gunther. And Ivar hitting Gunther with a moonsault. That'd be a fun match, but... Oh, yeah. I don't know if it'll, like, happen or anything. Oh, speaking of Gunther, did you see the TikTok and YouTube video deal that WWE put up with the Gunther... Bronson Reed match and Biggie. Uh, was it on WWE's TikTok page? Yeah. So basically, what they did was they took shot like clips from the Gunther Bronson Reed match, and then under that was a separate video. Like oh, it's all one video, but it's like another uh, box, and it's Biggie going big meaty men, slap me. Basically saying this was a Biggie approved big meaty men match. Remember how we were we were wondering. Because Gunther isn't a bigger guy anymore, if this would be considered big, meaty men. WWE says it is. Uh, hang on, let me look real fast. Let me see, I could probably send it. I saw, it. I saw it on their YouTube under as a YouTube short video, but hold on. I can find it for you really fast. Um, it'd be pretty quicker if I find it there. Why can't I? Shorts. I just saw it. I found it. I found it. I'm sending it to you on. How do I share this? Share. Here we go. All right. I'm sending it to you on Twitter. All right. I'll watch after the stream. Gotcha. It's only like 30 seconds. But yeah, basically, they're saying Big E would approve of this match as being Big Meaty Meat Slapping Meat. Or Big Meaty Men Slapping Meat. <clears throat> but like, would you still call Gunther like a big dude, though? Well, yeah, because he's tall. He's tall, but he's not like, he's not like a, a fat, big He's not big a fat guy. guy. I'll just say he's not a fat guy, but... He's just... He's a tall guy. True, but then at the same time, like, Big E's a big meaty man, and he's... Not much taller than me. He's just 
all muscle. Yeah, he's just like very muscular though. Yeah. I, know, I would say Gunther's a big meaty man. And then we had Rhea Ripley and Seth Rollins next up here on Raw. Ripley approached Seth Rollins in the back. She offered Judgment Day as insurance against Drew McIntyre. Rollins laughed and said Ripley must have lost faith in Priest. And that's why she's been making all these deals. Rollins knew why Judgment Day would want the world champion, but wondered why he would want them. Ripley said alliances change. If Rollins joined them, maybe Priest would cash in on someone else, and they'd have all the gold. Without Judgment Day, Rollins could never have a title reign like Roman Reigns, especially with the conditions of his back. Judgment Day could have his back and make people acknowledge him. Rollins removed his glasses and told her it didn't want, he didn't want anything like that. Ripley then said, quote, That wasn't a no. Um, think about it. Think about it. So then they tell us that Tegan Knox was injured last week on NXT. Natalia approached Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae and was like, I just want to offer you some words of wisdom and some advice against Becky. Unfortunately, Tegan was hurt last week, so she's not here with me. And da 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 da. And then they said Lyra Valkyra will be at um, ringside for the upcoming match, which was Becky Lynch defending the NXT Women's Championship against Indy Hartwell in a nine minute match. There really was nothing to this match. Like, it was just a match on Raw. Did nobody any favors. Indy didn't look great. Becky looked okay. It's like. The announcer said that Harwell has the strength advantage when she drove Lynch into the barricade ahead of a commercial break. Hartwell hit a diving elbow to the back of uh, to the back for a two. Harwell then cut off Lynch's comeback with a big boot for a two. Harwell went to the top, but Lynch brought her down with a superplex. Lynch immediately went for the arm bar, but Hartwell hoisted her up and hit the power bomb for a two. Hartwell then followed this up with a spine buster and got another two off of it. They traded cradles here before Lynch finally booted her and applied the disarmor with Indy tapping out and Becky retaining the belt. Becky then immediately went to ringside. Well, actually, she shook Indy's hand, then went to ringside and went face-to-face with Lyra. All of a sudden, in the back, they show Candice LeRae watching and then getting attacked by Zia Lee. Lee decked her and said, That was a warning for you and Hartwell. A warning for what? What the hell are they doing with Zia Lee? I don't understand any of this Zia Lee stuff. Especially like when Becky was like, you can get a shot after you ask for a shot and the others get their shot. Like, because Becky said that was last week or whatever when Zaya's like, why haven't I got a shot? Like, first off, this is Monday Night Raw. Why are we so fixated over the NXT woman's title instead of Rhea defending her title? Like, she is a crown jewel, but she barely ever does. Anyways, anyways. What did you think of the match and Zia Lee attacking Candice backstage? I mean, the match was just there, in my opinion. Honestly, it was basically uh, trying to like, like do a storyline where like Indy never lost the belt, so I deserve a rematch kind of thing, and they just want to get right. that out of the way. But again, and the whole Zaya, go for it. And the whole Zia thing. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel really bad for Candace, though. She's basically just being, like, the extra, just getting beat up. 
Well, they've always kind of treated her like that, if I'm going to be honest, even in NXT. Yeah, but at least, like, down the line, they... Like, she had at least gotten some, like, title shots, though, and she was a former well, tag yeah. champion in NXT. True. But it's like, they fed her to Io, they fed her to Shayna. Like, she was just the one where it's like, we know you can pull off good matches, so we're going to give you shots at the belt against these women to put on good matches, but you ain't ever going to win the belt, which is a shame. Because Candice is, I mean, if you've seen any of Candice's pre-WWE work, like before she signed with WWE, she may have been one of, if not the best, overall female worker on the indies. But then she goes to WWE, and she's doing great for herself and whatnot. But she's just another woman on the roster, if I'm honest, which sucks. I mean, they also made her, like, at least made her something, like, when, during the way. True. But also, uh, I feel like during her time in NXT, like, when she first joined, it was also kind of hard to compete, in my opinion, because they also had, like, Shayna, Io, Rhea. Yeah. So it was just hard to compete with that. Right. So then, uh, Anna Pierce told security to be ready for tonight's contract signing. Nick Aldis then approaches and asks for a word. Pierce was a little annoyed, but Aldis tried to smooth things over with him. He's like, hey, I was just trying to show my authority last week on SmackDown, and I'm sorry if I got off on the wrong foot with you. He's like, I'm a rookie. I made an error by escorting you out of the building. He said, we just, we just want some friendly competition, and will you accept my apology? Pierce knew what it felt like to be the new guy. He called it water under the bridge. Pierce welcomed him to stay for the rest of Raw and watch how it's done. I like that line. He's like, you can watch how it's actually done. Like, let a, let a vet show you how to run a show. They shook hands. After all this left, Pierce asked the referee to double their number of security guards tonight. Are this they... reminds me of... You about to say what I think you're going to say? Go for it. This reminds me of like early 2000s WWE where, where like both managers hate each other and they got like double security so like nobody from Raw or SmackDown tries to like interfere with their shows. I thought you were going to say um, this felt like 2017 building up to Survivor Series Raw versus SmackDown when the other brands kept invading the other brand's show. Like this is going to lead to something like that here right after Crown Jewel. They're going to get brand supremacy, and, like, all this is going to show up with, with a SmackDown roster behind him attacking Raw or something. And that's how we lead to war games. Under siege. <laughs> there you go. But. Uh, that, was, that was actually a great, that was, like, a great Survivor Series storyline right. right there. They I, had the Shield versus the New Day. Mm -hmm. I just feel like Man, the way that was, that was cool. the way Adam Pierce is like, we need double security. It's like he feels like all this is gonna do something and more SmackDown guys could show up or I don't know. It's just weird. It's just it's exactly what it made me feel. Was like, oh, Adam Pierce thinks that something big's gonna happen and not just because he didn't say number of security during the um 
contract signing. He just said, we just need to double the number of security overall tonight is how it came off to me. And speaking of the contract signing, that came up next. It would be cool, actually. Go for it. Let's say, like Nick Gallis said, we're struggling to find another member for Team SmackDown. So I'll go ahead and represent oh, our brand. I've thought that from the jump, that he's going to end up on Team SmackDown if it's SmackDown versus Raw. Because I, I saw a few people on Twitter saying, why is why do they not have Nick Aldis, like as a wrestler? So, which I can totally... Which I will say, maybe from like WWE's point of view, is probably just their hit putting him as like an authority figure is probably just their way of trying to get the crowd to like know who he is first. Because there's probably like a lot of WWE guys, a lot of WWE fans that don't know who he is. Like, if, if that makes sense. Yes. And if I'm in a fantasy book here, I honestly think what's going to happen is Aldis is going to put himself on Team SmackDown. <clears throat> As a way to say, hey, I want my guys to know they can trust me. I want the people of SmackDown, the roster of SmackDown, to know that I have their back. To know that I bleed blue. And so he's going to wrestle. And then we're going to know that this guy can wrestle. And he's really, really good. Yes, he's the authority figure. But if he needs to go out there and fight, he can fight. But I think in the end, they're just waiting Till Regal can get on TV and that AEW bullshit is all over with. And Regal's going to take his spot as the SmackDown general manager. And then all this becomes a regular wrestler on the roster. I think that's a route they can go. They should go. Give me William Regal as the GM every week on television as soon as possible. Which would probably be like February of next year, maybe. It would have to be February because like. He actually, I think he left AEW, I believe, in December. And they gave him that one-year clause of you cannot show up on WWE well, television for no, a no, year. No, 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 I don't think it's one year. Because there's been multiple different reports, but I've heard the one-year thing. But the one I heard more was you can't appear on WWE television till your original contract expires. You can leave and go work for them, but you can't be on television till your original contract expires. And that may have been a two- to three-year deal. So it could be next February, but it could also, because he started in February of 21. So yeah, it would be next February would be the three year. I think, yeah. Well, no. He started in February of 21 or 22? 22. 22, yes. 22. So I don't know if he signed a two or a three year deal with AEW, but the one that I heard the most was it's not, oh, you can't appear on WWE television for a year. It's, you can't appear on WWE television till your original contract date is up. That's the case. I think, Mel I think Meltzer reported that it might have been a three-year deal. That's what I'm thinking. So if that's the case, then it can't be till February 25. Which will suck. Right? So, but wait, which, let's see. Which he said the reason, I know he told Tony the reason why he wanted to go back to WWE was to train his son. He wanted to work with his son, yes. So, I don't know. He just want to go back with his buddy Paul. That's all it is. <laughs> but as far as all that goes, I love William Regal. I hope Regal eventually ends up back on WWE television. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's a shame, but it's whatever. We then had the contract signing. 
with a woman's five-way at Crown Jewel. Security surrounded the ring. Pierce said that the women's division has been chaotic lately and normally wouldn't reward that type of behavior. He wouldn't reward that type of behavior, but also said that things need to settle down and they settle things in the ring. Pierce then introduced the title challengers one at a time, Raquel Rodriguez, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Nia Jax. They signed as they entered the ring. Jax hesitated because Ripley wasn't there yet. He said that he would get Ripley to sign later. Jax signed. Barrett noted that they didn't even bother setting up a table in the ring for this contract signing. I love way Barrett going, Ah, they just said fuck it. Not even need a table. Crowd's in chance we want mommy. Ripley then entered moments later. Ripley was pissed at Pierce. She thought that she was being set up and threatened to make Pierce's life a living hell. All Pierce was doing was ensuring that this woman's division would have four fewer women in it. Ripley would prove that she was the most dominant woman in WWE because mommy was always on top. Jackson took the mic from Pierce and the crowd booed. This is where I thought I was hearing fake crowd noise. Jax said that Ripley was smart. Ripley remained on the apron, and Jax figured she wanted her to squash the rest of the women first. Jax was insulting, insulting the other women, particularly Rodriguez, because she was from Texas. They're in Texas, but it's different. Rodriguez is South Texas. They're in North Texas. Anyways, there's a, there's a, there's a big difference there. Jax spoke slowly to Rodriguez, so Rodriguez punched her. Security immediately hit the ring to separate all four women. They all chucked the security guards aside and got into a brawl as Ripley watched in amusement. Rodriguez and Jackson stood tall, so everyone, so even more security guards hit the ring to separate them. Rodriguez then broke things up and clotheslined Jax, but Jax bounced off the ropes and laid her out with the Samoan drop. Ripley again just smiled and waved. So Zoe and Shayna look like afterthoughts, right? Basically. Like, why are they even I mean, in this match? It should have been a triple threat to start with. Probably. I, I honestly feel like this. I don't know if they actually take the belts off Rhea, but I feel like if they, if they are, this would probably be the best way to do it. Just to like make her not look weak and not have her get pinned. Well, who wins? Raquel? Naya? Zoe? It would have to be either Raquel or Naya. I would think Raquel. Well, yeah. I prefer to be Raquel, honestly. Honestly, I kind of just wanted to be Naya Jax just to see how the fans react. Oh, the fans are going to be pissed. Right. They're going to be pissed. I mean, she... She said something basically responding to like all the hate she gets from fans. Right. Yeah. Which I, I feel bad. Like I really do. Uh, Ludwig Kaiser told Giovanna Vinci that he needed him to take out Johnny Gargano tonight. Vinci says he understood. Bronson Reed showed up and said that he was ready for round two against their boss. Kaiser invited Reed to go tell Gunther that himself and Imperium left. Kazawa then showed up and challenged Reed to a match. Reed politely declined because he was a feeling merciful. Kazawa then chopped him and screamed and challenged him again. Reed then accepted and said, quote, it's your funeral. And then he left. <coughs> Excuse me. Maxine Dupree then ran in 
and told Tozawa, not him. She was worried and figured Gable wouldn't be happy. According to Cole, Tozawa was on um, social media that he was ready to try out and so forth. But yeah, I don't know what they're doing with the Tozawa stuff. It's weird. He's basically a comedy guy, which he's been well, for yeah, a while. Yeah, he's been for since he's, since the Cruiserweight division died. Because he was great in the Cruiserweight division, 205 Live and all that. I really want him to, to go back to NXT where he can start to showcase like really good matches again. Yes, totally agree. Give me Akira Tozawa versus Nathan Frazier. That'd be fun. That'd be or, real fun. Ooh, give me Tozawa versus Axiom. Oh, yeah. I like that one. So then speaking of Imperium, Johnny Gargano took on Giovanni Vinci in a match that was less than three minutes long. Kaiser was on the apron threatening to get into the ring, so Tommaso uh, Ciampa suddenly appeared and took him out. Gargano then hit Vinci with the one final beat and pinned him to pick up the victory. Also in the middle of this Match, they aired like a 20-second ad for a movie, which is weird. But yeah. Oh, what was the movie again? I don't even remember. I wasn't paying that much attention. It was at like, it was after a game or something. Yeah, I don't even know. But like, that movie looks nuts, though. What was it? Uh, No, it wasn't Five Nights at Freddy's, was it? Oh, yes, it was, because that's going, yes, 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 yes. It was because Five Nights at Freddy's is going into theaters on Friday, but it's also dropping on Peacock at the same time. This Friday, you can watch it in theaters or on Peacock. It is Five Nights I'd at Freddy's. I'd watch it on Peacock, honestly. Oh, so would I. I I'm going to watch it for sure on Peacock this weekend. Yeah, now that you say it was Five Nights at Freddy's, now I remember. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, everyone in the chat saying Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, that movie's going to be nuts. Like, I've never played the game myself. I've watched people play it. The movie looks good. Like, it looks like it's going to be a good horror movie. I remember seeing someone play it on their iPad when I was in grade school. Oh, Lord. Like, that's how... Jeez, I already feel old. God damn. I'm trying to see... For that movie. Are reviews out yet? I don't think they are. Um, Let me see. Hold on. Give me one second. Oh. Uh-oh. It looks like they what may not it? be really confident in this movie. Because How bad is it on Rotten Tomatoes? No. Here's the thing. This happens with video games, too. When you give out review codes and screeners for a video game or a movie and then say your review can't drop until the morning the movie or game comes out, that means that they're not super confident in the movie or game and don't want reviews out too far ahead of time. And that's apparently what it is for Five Nights at Freddy's. Reviews can't go live till Friday or Thursday or whatever, the day that the movie comes out. Hopefully, I'm just looking too much into it from what I've experienced in the past. But usually, go for it. I mean, do you feel like whenever someone is trying to like make a like a real life human movie off of like a video game, do you 
do you feel like a lot of times those those movies are successful? It depends on the movie. All right, let's show. say Detective Pikachu for for example. I like Detective Pikachu. I'm just gonna say that it did not follow the game at all. It's a hundred percent completely different ish. That was a great movie. I liked it. I feel like there should they should have added like more battles. Well, yeah, but well, yes and no. It would have been cool, but then that wouldn't have fit Detective Pikachu because Detective Pikachu, the game, is not about Pokemon battles. It's all about Pikachu and I forget the guy's, the kid's name now, solving the crime. So. They they make another one, though. The new game just. I'm pretty sure. There's a new Detective Pikachu game coming out. I think it just came out, but yeah. They need to make like another like real life Pokemon movie, though. I, I don't know if how well. That movie did as far as like box office. Uh-huh. But I would love to see them make it like another real life one. Well, I mean, if you look at like video game movies and stuff, most of them are not all that great. The last Remember of the us, Mario one in like the eighties or nineties. Oh, yeah, in the late that yeah, ninety two, I wanna say it was. I could be wrong on that date. That was awful. Yeah, no, that was bad. But the Super Mario animated movie was really good. I mean, that's different, Last of Us, that was great on HBO. Now, I am a huge Uncharted fan, and will say that the Uncharted movie was a let down for me if I'm basing it off of Uncharted, but if I'm basing it off of just the movie itself and not on the games, I really like the Uncharted movie as a movie. But then when I go back and everything I know from the Uncharted games, because I've played every single one at least twice... I go, yeah, they did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, basing it off of the game. But if it's just, oh, it's a treasure hunt movie with two guys and the girl or whatever, I loved it. So it just depends on how you look at different franchises and different um, movies and shows and whatnot. Like the last couple Tomb Raider movies, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies were okay. The last couple ones were a lot better. To get back to Raw, there was a Shinsuke promo. Nakamura said a brutal beating for him was a beautiful thing, and he was happy to give Ricochet the experience. Nakamura was looking for a new opponent who would inspire the yet-to-be-seen self within him. He said, quote, who is worthy enough to set me free? So are they just going to go full-on crazy heel Shinsuke now? That's what it seems like. Give me, like, just crazy ninja warrior Nakamura or something. Have we seen that in, in him, like, when he was in New Japan? What? Like, like crazy, crazy Nakamura. Crazy heel Nakamura. I mean, we've seen heel Nakamura, sort of. <laughs> most of the Nakamura I remember in New Japan, and I'm going to be completely honest, most of my New Japan watching was, like, 2013 and now, maybe 2014 to now. So I don't have a lot of extensive background knowledge of New Japan per se. But I remember most of the stuff that I ever saw was like he was babyface for the most part, did some things heal, but more babyface than anything. So I don't know, to be honest. Remember that awesome Wrestle Kingdom? 
entrance he had. Oh, yeah. Remember the awesome Wrestle Kingdom match he had with AJ? That one, yeah. Yeah. So Logan Paul comes out. Crowd booed Paul, who responded with, Dallas, Texas, wow, so much love. Paul said the boxer he beat was dropped by his um, was dropped by his fight league, and said it sucks to be that guy. Paul said that he was a free agent too. When he beats Rey Mysterio for the United States title, he would give everyone something to talk about. Maybe he would show up on Raw and defend that title there as well. Please no. I want Logan Paul to beat Ray for the belt. I'm gonna say that right now. But I don't want him showing up on Raw with the belt because we got brands. And we need to keep the titles on the respective brands, even though they don't do it with NXT. I got, yeah, I do feel like Logan's going to beat Ray because, like, I think he needs people to. In Sa- people in Saudi actually like really respect Logan Paul. I mean, that was basically the reason why he faced Roman last year in Saudi. All right, so let me get your opinion on this because I sent out a tweet the other day, and I was like, I love. Everything Logan Paul does in WWE. I think he's a really, really good wrestler and good on the mic most of the time and just an overall really good WWE superstar. But then anything that he does outside of WWE, I can't freaking stand the guy. I don't know how you feel, but that's just my thing. It's I, like, I felt the same way. It's I like, felt the same way, honestly. Yeah, I love everything he does in WWE. He's a great, almost perfect WWE superstar. But then, like, about his, uh, the, the stuff he does outside of wrestling, it's just like, I can't stand the guy. What about his, like, impulsive podcast, though? Do you ever listen to that? I've only listened to the Cody episode and the Seth episode, so no. And then I'll, like, I'll catch um, clips here and there that pop up on my Instagram feed or my TikTok or YouTube shorts. But no, I never watch his podcast or listen to his podcast. I mean, like, I'll watch clips. I don't really watch, like, the full thing. I'll, like, I'll watch clips of, of his podcast, and there's, like, some stuff that aren't even, like, that bad. Yeah. But him as a person, though, I can't stand the guy. <laughs> but Dom- like, I never really, like, I, like, I never really liked his videos. I never really, I always thought he was a very, like, controversial person. Well, see, I never like, watched his YouTube. WWE. I never watched his YouTube videos or anything. So, I, honestly... Knew who he was before WWE, but never really followed his content, if that makes sense. So Domin- well, he almost got, I remember he, got, he almost got canceled, I believe, in like 2015 after Over the, the dead, dead body, body video. Yeah. I'm surprised he recovered from that. I'm surprised WWE signed him because of that. Like, I, I thought WWE would never sign him. In spite, whatever. Anyways, um, Dominic comes out, big ovation from Paul. Paul was happy to see Dom. The crowd booed. Dom's promo was drowned out by the volume of the crowd, which, again, felt like some fake boos here. Paul put over Dom and said he overcame his deadbeat dad to become a champion of an entire continent. Paul remembered that being on Raw meant his favorite ring announcer was here. He invited Samantha Irvin into the ring. She shook her head. Paul said that she deserves her flowers for everything she does for this organization. Irvin then reluctantly entered the ring. Paul said that he knew it was hard for her to announce him as the winner at SummerSlam over her fiancé, Ricochet. But she did it because she was a professional. 
Paul wanted a preview from Crown Jewel and asked her to announce him as the new United States champion. Ricochet then ran down and tackled Paul. Dom tried to help Paul, so Ricochet decked him. Ricochet went for a dive on Paul, but Dom got in the way. Ricochet was about to hit Dom with a move off the top, but then Paul pulled Dom out of the ring. Ricochet then checked on Samantha. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. Are we building they really up? Have Ricochet doing a lot of random stuff. Yeah, right and, now. and that's building up to Ricochet versus Dom next week, right? It's next week. I believe is what they said. I, I believe so, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Because I know they announced the match, but I can't remember if they said it was next week or not. But yeah, Ricochet's just I still the, like, the extra I still like guy. what they're doing with Logan. I still like what they're doing with Logan Paul and like the Samantha Edward stuff. Irvin. Irvin, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I said Edward. Um, It's just like we said before. Ricochet feels like the extra guy. You need to throw somebody in there that's going to give you a good match no matter who the opponent is? Ricochet. I mean, at first, like when Triple H took over, he, w- he wasn't really like that. Right. Like people were saying like, like, like when Triple H first took over, people were saying like the one guy that really benefited when Triple H took over was Ricochet. But now it doesn't seem that way. I totally agree. Um, we then had, this is random. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven against Natalia and Nikki Cross. The story here was that Nikki Cross wasn't her usual, um, her usual self. Cross slowly and basically slowly got down into the ring for the match. She took so long that they started the match without her. She finally did get on the apron. She started blank, uh, blankly. She stared blankly and didn't know what to do and then left. This was the dumbest fucking shit I've seen in a while. What the hell was this? Natty then tried to fight off both women by herself and it was too much. Natty at one point got a sharpshooter on Piper. Green then hit her with an unprettier and Piper hit her with a crossbody and pinned her. What kind of dumb shit was this? Like, I, I can't even try to defend this. This was stupid as hell. Oh yeah, this this is pretty bad. Yeah, like Nikki like, Cross. Right now they're struggling. What they're they're struggling with the women's division, like the women's tag division. I, I will say. Yeah, like Nikki Cross couldn't even get to the ring on time, so they just said, "Screw it, start them." What? I don't. And then she just leaves. This is some stupid ass shit. Is she supposed to be a zombie? It's Halloween season. Is she supposed to be a zombie or something? I don't know. Probably. But Drew McIntyre approached Jay in the back. Jay wasn't uh, happy to see him. McIntyre sarcastically said that he wasn't sorry for what happened last week because he couldn't possibly imagine what it felt like to lose a title because of the bloodline. He told Jay, get over it. Uh, Nick (laughs) said, I just learned Nikki Cross is still on the roster. Yeah. We did, too, last week when she randomly appeared. No, two weeks ago when she randomly appeared backstage, perched up on a little box. I forgot all about Nikki Cross, too. I also forgot Zia Lee is still in this company, and Zia Lee is attacking women backstage now. 
for no goddamn reason. Oh, because Becky won't give her a shot at the NXT Women's title. <clears throat> she said, I had no clue last time. Last time I checked, she was with that Eric Young team. Yeah, that was Can a long time ago. Yeah, he's talking She's about out. sanity. Does WWE still own like the trademark Sandy? Because I know another wrestling company used it because like they did like the whole like Sandy reunion. I can tell you right now. Let's see. I want to say it was like Progress Wrestling. They did the whole Sandy reunion. Um, let's go check. Um. Um, this might not be as easy to check as I thought. Is this it? Oh, might have found it. Nope, that's not it. Um, give me one second to check something else. Ba-ba-bum. Yeah, I'm not able to find it. There's a lot of different trademarks for the word sanity. And none of them coming up is wrestling related, so I'm not sure. I would assume they still do. But I don't know because Well, Progress Wrestling posted on their like Instagram they said Sanity versus smoking aces and bullet. So I feel like if Sanity is allowed to use it. I I mean like progress. Right. I don't know. Let me see. Hold on, I may have found something. Unless WWE gave him permission to use it. I don't know. Maybe because they've worked with Progress in the past, but I doubt it. Um, Let's see. Are any of these... There's like five different Sanity trademarks, but they're all for different things. Not wrestling. Not wrestling. Not wrestling. Let's keep looking really quick. One, two more pages we can check. Yeah, it doesn't look like I see trademark for the word sanity. Let me do one last thing. Um, words, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, no, I'm not seeing it. I'm not sure, actually. Let's move forward. Um, Miz confronted Pierce and complained about something before Ripley would appear with the contract. She signed it and gave it to Pierce. She told him she was keeping the pen. As she left, the camera followed her, and Miz asked, where's the camera going? Ripley bumped into Dom, who acted like he was hurt, thanks to Ricochet. This is a weird segment. I don't know what this was supposed to be. Like, I don't know at all. I get it. They're confirming she signed the contract. She'll do the match, which we already knew she was doing the match. But also, hold on. Speaking of this, where they had to make sure Rhea signed the contract. Do you think contract signings in wrestling are as dumb as I do? Like, how come you have to, certain matches have to have a contract signing, but then most other matches don't? Like, why? You just... The authority figure makes the match, and that's the match you're made to do. I don't understand why matches need contract signings. 
especially once the match already gets announced. Not a thing I where mean, it's like it's not a thing where it's like oh this is unsanctioned so both wrestlers need to sign a contract that says that the company is not liable for whatever could happen to either of them. That's a different story where a contract signing would make sense. Or if a specific stip is put on a match, both wrestlers or all the wrestlers need to agree to the stip, a special stipulation like hair versus hair, mask versus hair, loser leaves town. But just a hey, we're doing a title match. Well, we need a contract signing, but Drew and Seth don't need a contract signing. You know? Well, I don't get it. I mean, I I understand the purpose of it because I know that it's probably just their way of trying to like compare themselves, to, like UFC or like boxing, where a lot of matches like but no do a contract signing. But, but like, I I do feel like they've kind of gotten dumb at this point. But those don't even have contract signings. Those just have press conferences to hype up the upcoming shows. I mean, I get... I don't know. I've always thought the contract signing thing in wrestling was a little dumb. Because it's like, if one match on the pay-per-view needs a contract signing, why aren't you having wrestlers come in and sign the contract for every match? Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying with that. That's also me just looking too much into it. We then had a 15-minute match. Drew McIntyre versus Sami Zayn. Ooh, is this good? As good as I expected, if not more. McIntyre had the early edge until Zayn hit a moonsault off the barricade. Zayn tried a crossbody, but McIntyre caught him and hit a vertical suplex. Zayn tried a dive, but McIntyre caught him again and easily chucked him across the announce table. After a break, Zayn avoided a charge, and McIntyre went shoulder first into the post. Zayn then followed this up with a vertical suplex and a flip dive. The crowd then got into it as they battled on the ropes. McIntyre set up for a middle rope white noise, and Zayn countered into a sunset flip bomb for a two. The crowd then popped and chanted, this is awesome. McIntyre went for a claymore kick, but Zayn booted him and hit a blue thunder bomb for a good near fall. Zayn tried an exploder into the corner, but McIntyre hit him with consecutive overhead suplexes and a neck breaker. McIntyre then set it for a claymore when Ripley entered. Her music went off, the light effects and all. Zayn applied a schoolboy, but McIntyre kicked out. Zayn hit an exploder into the corner and set it for a holuva kick. Ripley leapt up on the apron and distracted Sammy in full view of the referee. But, 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 this was not a DQ or warranting a DQ because she, yes, caused a distraction up on the apron, but never touched Sammy. McIntyre then used the distraction to hit a claymore and pick up the victory. Wasn't a big fan of the distraction, but at the same time, I'm like, okay. Because I saw people on Twitter going, ref should have DQ'd uh, Drew because she got involved. No, she really didn't. But yeah, I don't know where this is leading to. She smiled at McIntyre and then went to the back. Again, there's there's a number of things on this show that kind of confused me. And this was, again, one of them. What the hell? Thoughts on the match and stuff? The match was pretty good, I will say, but like, I'm really confused with like the Drew and like Rhea thing that's going on. Like, I don't know what this is leading to. Yeah. Um. So here's my question: You think Nick Aldis is trying to steal talent from Raw for SmackDown? I can see it. Nick Aldis approaches Katana Chance and Caden Carter in the back. When he was a pro, uh, he was speaking with them 
when then he was approached by Pierce. Pierce said he offered to let him watch Raw, not chat with his superstars. Aldous said that he was just having a friendly conversation. Aldous could see Pierce was having a tough night, so he decided to leave now. Pierce was glad he left, and they shook hands. But I don't know. Maybe this Aldous guy, I don't know why I said it like that, but Nick Aldous is going to start trying to poach talent. <coughs> you, I, you compared this to the early days of GMs and the GMs not getting along. Well, remember back then, Stephanie McMahon stole Brock Lesnar in the WWE Championship to SmackDown. She exclusively signed Brock to SmackDown as a champion, and that's why Eric Bischoff had to bring, bring in the big gold belt. So are we going to get Nick Aldis now trying to poach talent and steal talent from Raw? That would It would be really cool. But, like, if that's the case, why would he want to try to take Todd Chance and Kane Carr? Like, no disrespect to them whatsoever, but, like, that's the route. Then why, why would he try to, he'd try to, like, go after someone big, like, maybe, like, a Finn Balor or, like, a Drew McIntyre or a Sami Zayn. Unless he just wants more women on his roster that he can start building. I don't know. Also, the other thing you would have to look into is, okay, is he stealing talent from Raw? Does that mean they're signed to Raw? If they're signed to Raw, I don't know. There's there's too much to look into it with this, but it is interesting because I think that's the what Adam Pierce was alluding to when he's like, I said you could stay and watch the show but not talk to my wrestlers. So I don't know. Then we got an expressionless. I mean, if that is the case. I mean, if that is the case, who would be the talent that he steals? Sammy? And then you get Sammy and Kevin back together? It would be cool, but like, what would you use him for on SmackDown? Tag team. Go for the tag titles that, again. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know that, but it's like the tag titles are defended on both shows. I mean, right. if that was the case, they should have just stayed on Raw. Well, no, because there's different things you can do with them as a tag team on SmackDown that you couldn't. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe and, them two versus Roman and Solo. That'd be fun. So then, I mean, that's the only that's the only reason, right? The segment then ends with an expressionless Nikki Cross who walked by Pierce. And so Pierce said, "I need a drink." Getting very weird. We then had Bronson Reed versus Akira Tozawa. Match went two and a half minutes, and Maxine was out there with Tozawa. There were chants of "Let's go Rangers!" Astros suck. During this match, I assume that was towards the end of the game, and people must have been watching it on their phones. Because I didn't know, I knew the game was tonight, and I was keeping kind of up with the score, but I didn't know if the game had, when the game had ended. But yeah, I was mainly watching the football game because I had Kittle on my fantasy team. Gotcha. But think about it though: Astros, Rangers, North Texas versus South Texas. They're in North Texas. Rangers, Rangers beat the Astros, and so they were happy there in Dallas. Also, read one with a Death Valley driver and a tsunami. Nothing to the match. <laughs> it was a squash. Then, uh, I wonder what they're gonna do with Bronson Reed next. Good question. Do they have him go back to Gunther? I mean, I wouldn't hate a second match. 
but I don't want him to just be given a second match. I want him to earn it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe he like beats a whole bunch of guys and then he goes back to the belt. So Gable gave Tozawa some words of encouragement in the back. New Day were there too, and DIY joined them. Otis gave Tozawa a Dallas Cowboys title belt, and he tried to do the same little dance he did last week, though. Great self-promotion for them, I will say. Yeah. So that was like Fastlane when Pat came out with the Colts belt. Again, great self-promotion for them. Mm -hmm. Rollins approached McIntyre and congratulated him on his first win as a member of the Judgment Day. I like that. McIntyre said that Ripley almost cost him the match, and it was Rollins who spoke to her earlier. Rollins got serious and said that he didn't need Judgment Day to beat Drew. Rollins said, quote, may the best man win. And McIntyre said, oh, I will. As far as next week's SmackDown, or Monday Night Raw does go, next week on Raw, we do have Seth Rollins versus J.D. McDonough. Candice LeRae is taking on Zia Lee. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa will finally team up together to take on Imperium's Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. And in a non-title match, Dominic Mysterio will take on Ricochet. Barrett did say that this is the first match for DIY as a team in three years. That, that was wild. Jesus. Yeah. I miss, I miss like black and gold NXT. Oh, so really. I mean, obviously. I mean, I mean, NXTs, they're doing fine right now, but it's like, I miss black and gold though. Then we go to our main event Damian Priest against Jey Uso. Match itself goes a little over 12 minutes long. Jay hit a dive ahead of a break early on, and Priest was in control following said break. Not really anything happened before the break. They went to break like 90 seconds, two minutes in. Barrett told us that Priest had been dominating the first five minutes of this match, which makes sense. Two minutes on the show, three-minute commercial break, five minutes. Priest then hit a Falcon Arrow before the two men exchanged strikes. Jay got the better of the exchange and hit a flying crossbody for a two. Priest responded with a back elbow and a clothesline for a two. Jay blocked close uh, choke slam and hit a Simone drop for a two. Priest then blocked a suicide dive and gave Jay a flatliner into the announce table. Jay tried to fire up, but Priest hit him with a flatliner in the ring and got a two. Jay slipped out of a razor's edge attempt and hit a spear and then an Uso splash. The ref never counted Jay's pin attempt because Finn ran out and distracted the referee, and the referee decided to try and stop him instead of pay attention to the match in the ring. However, it seemed like Balor was late and too much time passed, so it kind of looked stupid and the ref looked stupid, and yeah, it all didn't really seem to work well. Because it's like, Jay goes for the pin, the ref's looking because he knows Finn's supposed to come out, and I, again, I think Finn came out just a little bit too late and it made the whole thing not look good. Jay then took out Balor with a dive, but Jay went back to the ring. The ref distracted himself by pulling Priest away, and Balor managed to yank Jay into the ropes by the leg. Priest then followed this up with the choke slam and pinned Jay to get the victory. Damian Priest wins. Jay is down. Balor goes to the top rope. He hits him with a coup de gras. Balor and Priest then grab chairs, but then eventually a broken Cody Rhodes comes down to the ring. His uh, left leg all taped up and whatever. He's 
limping, trying to run down to the ring. Rhodes chucked Balor into the barricade and hit Priest with a chair. Rhodes was about to pulmonize the leg of Priest, but Balor pulled him out of the ring and saved him. Rhodes was about to go after them, but officials ran down and got in between. Jay and Cody then embraced as the show went off the air. So yeah, not a bad, like a good match. Not a bad main event angle at the end with building up Cody and Damien and whatnot, but what do you think of the match and everything to end the show? The match, match was good and it did a decent job of building up to everything. But do you want to know another like WWE what if? Huh. What if Finn never got hurt in 2016 and had to relinquish the Universal title? Okay, well, you want an even bigger what if? What if Hideo Atami never got hurt and won the NXT championship instead of Finn Balor? Because that was the original plan. Finn was not supposed to be NXT champion then. It was supposed to be Kenta, Hideo Atami. And then Finn, he got hurt, and they put Finn in his spot. There's your bigger what if. Because if that's the case, and Hideo Atami was NXT champion, who knows where that would have went to. Because if you remember, and I was there, it was Access before WrestleMania 31. They had a tournament where the winning NXT wrestler goes into the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and that tournament was main evented with Hideo Itami defeating Finn Balor to earn a spot in that main event, or in that main event, that main roster Battle Royal on WrestleMania. So, no. There's your even bigger what if, because if Finn wasn't, if... Hatami won the NXT championship and Finn didn't win it then. Would Finn have even been in the in the mix for 2016 and winning the Universal Championship? Think about it that way. There's even a bigger one. You can go back and just keep playing this game over and over. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if it was a day with Tommy and he stayed healthy, I feel like Vince probably would just use him as like a mid-card guy on main roster. Yeah, I would have never saw him in that spot like Finn got. I would have never saw him there. And it's unfortunate. Because I, like, I feel like Vince probably would have used him as a mid-card guy as best. Mm-hmm. He, I can honestly see him just using him as like how he, he was using Hideo, like Akira Tozawa. Right. Well, I'd see him used better than Tozawa. I would say that. I would see him used better as Tozawa. Um, Miss Bang says, what if Taker didn't lose the streak? Which time? Well, the original time. I, that's a dumb question. Because he lost twice in Mania. He lost, the streak ended with Brock, and then Roman also beat him in Mania. But yeah, what if he never lost the streak? I don't think it wouldn't have mattered, honestly. Because it, he, he, got, he had to lose it eventually. Right. And Brock, was Brock the right person? Probably not. But it also, what really changed differently with the undertaker and his story and his character and his gimmick and everything going forward. Oh, he's now lost to WrestleMania. Okay. And what? Nothing really changed. If he would have won or Brock would have won that match, they still would have had the same storyline going forward, the same progression, the same trajectory, everything. I feel like that undertaker losing the streak in the way that he did was anticlimactic and it did Nothing for nothing. You should have done it with somebody newer beating Undertaker and getting the big rub from it. Like they wanted Roman to get, and because the streak had already been broken, when Roman beat him, it didn't mean anything either. So, 
honestly, it may have. If he didn't lose to Brock, then the Roman beating the the losing to Roman two years later may have been better for Roman. I don't know. But that's a, that's an interesting one. That honestly, win or lose, I don't think it mattered. I don't think it mattered, especially because the streak was something that they didn't even realize till he was at ten. They didn't even realize they were doing a streak till he got to like ten and zero. Or what if uh, what if John Cena turned heel on his WWE career? He wanted to. He had heel uh, gear made and everything, and Vince said, "Nope, you sell too many T-shirts, Kmart." I remember that he wanted to turn heel. He had gear ready. Vince said no. Then, then like down the line, John Cena was saying that was the best decision Vince has ever made for me. Right. Or uh. What if The Rock never left for Hollywood? Oh, that, that's, that's the biggest what if, I think. I think the biggest what ifs are if Rock never left for Hollywood, if Sean never lost his smile, and if Sting would have jumped during the Attitude Era. I think those are three of the biggest what ifs. <clears throat> so. Or what if... Or what if Eddie Guerrero never passed away in 2005? Like, that's a big one, in my opinion. Okay, well, then you can also ask, what if Benoit never killed his family? And when did I depressed. Uh, <laughs> what if he never died? What if he never died? What, what could have come of that? So, Are we allowed to talk about that one? I don't mind. I'll say it right now. As an in-ring pro wrestler, I'm still a huge Chris Benoit fan as a pro wrestler. I, I agree with that. As a pro wrestler, yes. Yeah. Like, 2005 Chris Benoit, 2004 Chris Benoit was probably the best wrestler of the year. I could easily say, from an in-ring standpoint and all that, Benoit may have been the best wrestler in 2004. So... With that, that wasn't Monday Night Raw. You know what we thought of the show. We thought of the show. Now it's time to see what you guys thought as far as the polls do go. So let's refresh all of those really fast. As far as the Twitch poll does go, 75% liked the show. 25% thought it was just all right. Looking over at the Twitter poll, 50, um, 57% liked the show. 28% thought it was just all right. And 14% didn't like it. Looking at the YouTube community poll, 71% liked the show. 20% thought it was just all right. And 9% didn't like it. Some of the comments here. So this one says, loved it. This one called it boring. Another one called it boring. And this person says, still no Jade tonight. I guess she going after Becky on NXT. So, yeah, we haven't seen Jade since the end of last week's NXT, which is a very interesting thing. Because the last time we saw Jade, Lyra was ripping up a photo of her and Becky, and then Jade was on a TV screen going, are they going to put Jade in NXT? And is she going to show up tomorrow and challenge Becky or Lyra after the match at Halloween Havoc? I mean, mean, that match is supposed to main event tomorrow from everything that it sounds like, from the way they're promoting it. And so maybe the last thing we see on Halloween Havoc tomorrow is Jade coming out to challenge the champion. I mean, personally, I don't really want to see Jade start out in NXT because I feel like she's already, like, main roster ready, but I can totally see them 
just doing it, just trying to get the fans to know to know her more. Yeah, my whole thing is if they're going to be teasing her on the main roster like they already have, they shouldn't put her straight to and they shouldn't put her in NXT if they're teasing her on the main roster. That's just my thing. Uh, King of Uko says Jade is too green. I mean, yes and no. Yes, she's pretty green, but also she was in the ring in AEW with a lot of other green females that couldn't carry her. So in WWE, you have all these other good wrestlers that can carry her and make her look good. That's going to be just leaps and bounds different. Her matches are going to look so much better now in WWE because she has women she can work with that she can learn from. She's not working with women of her same level or under her. She's working with women that are 90 to 100 times better than her, that she can learn from, that can help her, that can make her look good. So, yes, she's green. But she's also now with a better woman's division, in my opinion, a more experienced woman's division. That can make her look good. But as far as the YouTube live poll does go, 67% liked the show. 21, 22% thought it was just all right. And 11% did not like it. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Luke, tell them where they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter X at Petkey underscore 21. And you can also find me over at Twitch at the Luke Petke. With that, guys, have a great rest of your night. I don't think I'm going to go live later on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy, playing any games tonight. But the plan is tomorrow, I'm going to start Super Mario Wonder. I've already played like one or two levels in that game, and I go, oh, this is a game I need to be playing on stream. So we're going to stream that game starting tomorrow night, Super Mario Wonder, on twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy. With that, guys, have a great rest of your night. And I'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.